The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Okay, this is session number three, I think, on no. Kuf Mem Zion. Okay, so we'll see if we can finish today. Again, no, no uh, forcing it. Uh, let's review what we did last time in a brief fashion, not rereading the Meiri, but just rereading the Pesukim here. So, so that we just said the gener- generic ideas of praise with music, that you are aligning your emotions with uh, with the praise and like um, uh, and uh, directing your attention to it uh, to to like the the contents of the praise. But we said that this is a generic idea in Pesukim de Zimra or Tehillim. This is not this one is not unique to this parak. Okay, the later one is uh, Hashem rebuilds Yushlaim, the dispersed of Israel who will gather in. So that's the the, the main theme, which is according to the Meiri and Nivua on the Geula Hasida on the future redemption, um, and uh, and that's what the next pasuk is about. He heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their pains, uh, brokenhearted from being in Galus and also from the feeling of hopelessness that comes from the fact that we're oppressed by these nations that are so much bigger and more powerful. So that's what triggers the change to the argument. So now he goes into the realm of nature and starts talking about um, why we shouldn't feel this way. Okay. So God counts all the, the, the number of the stars and he calls each one by name. So that means that even though the astronomers think that they know the number of stars, that's only the visible ones that illuminate the earth. But really there are innumerable other stars that they don't even have a number for, 200 billion trillion. Uh, and all those stars um, have functions uh, that uh, affect the lower realm, whether by design or, sorry, whether that's their purpose or whether that's just their effect. Um, here you go, David. Um, and, uh, and, and those things aren't even in our grasp. And God knows all of them and knows all the, their effects, okay, um, and can override them. And that was the key point, is that God can override them back when they believed that the stars controlled everything. Then the reason why, like, you know, a nation would be victorious over us is because their stars are more powerful or their star or the constellations more powerful. So Hashem can override that, okay? Um, and to us, that would be like Hashem can override uh, the laws of nature. Okay, and then we also said the, the point of how do we update this for modern times when we don't hold that things are controlled by stars? Well, stars are what produced all of the elements and stars still have an effect on everything, especially our own star, the sun. And if God created those and programmed those and runs those, so then he can he can definitely uh, override them and do do anything. Okay. So that's emphasizing the, the, the power of God to be able to change uh, the... Um, missions of the stars and uh, and his understanding is is without telling, which means that we don't even understand what the interactions are between the stars and everything else. God lifts up the, the humble and and uh, and casts down the wicked. So that's now applying it back to the theme of the redemption that these kings who are oppressing us or these people who are oppressing us, God will uh, can can throw them down. Okay, and that brings us up to date. Okay, any uh, any other uh, things? on that review before we move on? I had a thought yesterday morning on this. Yeah. Um, so just from what we had read in the year so far. Sure. Of like God's immense power. Yeah. Um, so is that, and then maybe there's something else. Like I don't remember if it was actually from particular this, but just kind of like God being so powerful, like 
why the heck do we matter? Like we're so nothing then. Yeah. And like there's still this relationship. <laughs> oh, maybe I have to do with like all these things where it actually is like God doing things that seemingly like like things either for for Israel or whatever. Yeah. That like why is he even doing that for? Like so yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. There is a parak about that, and it's parak ches. And I think we did it last year. Either we did it or I prepared it, aiming to do it. So you can check on that. And the, the subject of that parak, that's the one where it says, Ma enosh kareno, adam What is man that you should notice him? And then David answers that question. Okay. Uh, like, sorry, David Hamelk answers, answers that question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he answers that question there. And so uh, if I give Shiran, then you can see that <laughs> and uh and if not then we'll i will have to do it because it's a good pair yeah um do you remember if uh, yeah, the, the okay yeah i mean ramon quotes it yeah ramon quotes it in your sashem but yeah yeah okay so let's go on in the meiri oh we did actually read yeah sure what do we say about that was related um, I think let's just see what the Miri said, just to jog our memory here. I think we just said that that means um, that God can change the uh, the assignment of the of the stars, and He knows what all their effects are. So the Adonai the power is a reference to God changing that stuff, and then uh, and then we don't understand how He does that. Oh, that's another thing. Also, that's a good important. Bob was saying that He is able to, and therefore He's actually able to change over. Uh, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 that's how he's going to be doing this thing. This is a point. It was included in what we said last time, but I just want to like bring it out a little bit. Is I think there is a fundamental mistake people make when they're trying to assess the likelihood of God doing stuff is that they limit it to their own understanding. And and like if I can't make sense of how this how God's going to get from A to B, then it can't happen. You know. And we've had enough. Thankfully, we had enough examples of that in Jewish history, most notably. Uh, Pesach, Purim, and Hanukkah, you know, where like against tremendous odds, you know, like the, the we never could have predicted that it was going to ha- happen like that, you know. Um, so I think that's the juxtaposition of God is powerful and Lisbonoso in uh, in Mispar that there's we can't tell of it and therefore we should just like, um, you know, it's almost like it's a Moshe being a statement at Yamsuf. Um, I forgot the Hebrew, be silent and God will wage war with you. Uh, for for you, you know, on your behalf. Um, it's a great phrase in Hebrew. Uh, I'm not gonna look it up. Um, yeah, I will look it up. Shemos B'shalach, fifteen. Uh, it's the end of fourteen, I think. Uh, is uh, it's at the end of an aliyah? I thought. Is that is that only get you do something in Avera of Oh, Atem There it is. Hashem Yilachem Lachem Atem Tach God will wage war for you. You guys be quiet. <laughs> okay. You know, like, uh, I, I think, I, I don't know what the you, you be quiet thing there is, but poetically at least, it's like, okay, you, you, you think that you're only going to like be, like it, what it reminds me of is um, Lahav deal. When I'm watching like a Magic the Gathering tournament, uh, so there's, you know, the top players in the world playing, and then there's the commentators in the booth. Now, the commentators are good players, and their job is to, like, make intelligible what the experts are doing for the audience. But what often happens is the players are on such, are so many steps ahead that the commentators in the booth can't figure out 
what is it that they're doing? And they can't make sense of it. And then there's like this collective, oh, that's what he was doing the whole time, you know? Uh, and God is just like infinite steps ahead of us. And, and, and like in magic, everyone knows all the factors here. We don't even know the factors. So like, like just attempt talk Rishun, you know? Yeah. Okay. So now we get to our new Pasuk. So the, the, um, Enu Lashem Besoda, where are we? Enu Lashem Besoda, Zamru Lukin Bukinor. So we read that one actually. That was make music to God for a different reason. That was Lahair Hatashuka Alzeh. That's playing the, um, the theme song, uh, of the hero to like get your emotions in line. Like, Oh, someone's going to save us, you know? So uh, that, that's, that's another idea of, um, of Tehillim is to arouse the emotions towards specific like moods, you know, that match with the themes and to like bolster your conviction. And you know, by the way, it's, it's crazy how, um, uh, how like, I mean, this is, this is going to sound like an obvious point. Um, uh, where like how, how easily music can just push your buttons you know, especially with the, the lyrics, like I just saw a, uh, I saw an old Facebook status of mine when I was looking through Facebook memories today. I didn't, I didn't reshare it, but it was uh, like from 2010. Uh, Matt hasn't listened to Russian music in a while. I wonder if that's because it makes him sad. Listens to Russian music is sad. <laughs> you know, like, like it, all it takes is just like you listen to the song and then like you, you got the emotion. So it's kind of pathetic that we're so manipulable like that. But if, since that's the case, we should use it to our advantage and attach those emotions to true ideas, you know? Okay. So now let's just reread Sukkim Ches through Yud Aleph because he tackles it all at once. Okay. So this was, uh, he covers, he who covers the heavens with clouds, who prepares rain for the land, who causes the mountains to sprout grass. He gives the beast its sustenance to the ravenlings who cry out. Okay. Uh, he does not desire the strength of horse, nor does he like, uh, favor the legs of man. Hashem favors those who fear him, those who pine for his kindness. Okay. Um, I love that pine. <laughs> okay. Um, Good nature word too. All right. Vidibir uh, He spoke about the uh, the kindnesses of God. Even to the animals who do not strive to prepare their needs. Unlike, for example, who's the animal in Mishle that does strive to prepare for its needs, even in the summer? The famous one. Go to the blank, you lazy person. Learn from its ways and become wise. Even though it doesn't have officer, chieftain, or... Or uh, or supervisor over it, then she prepares the food in her summer in the summer. The ant, yes, there you go, uh, there you go. Okay, right. So 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 the ant is industrious and 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 uh, uh, is royal as a nolad. Okay, but the other animals not necessarily. So even for those animals who he prepares for them their needs that are beneficial for them according to their nature. And he covers the, the heaven with clouds to prepare. Rain for the earth, to cause um, uh, grass to sprout, uh, hills to sprout with grass for the needs of the animals and the other the other animals. I, I don't want to stop here. I want to um, see the whole thing because uh, he he unified those um, as one thing. That is that is how he provides the animal with food. Meaning it's food. Lechem is sometimes said about food in general. So in other words, he provides food for the behema uh, by making the, the rain cause the mountains to sprout the grass. Okay. Here we finally get to the ravenlings. Okay. So why does David Melech uh, focus on these ravenlings. Okay. So you shall, you should know factually TBD. <laughs> okay. 
Mitzad Shabbat Him Levanim. When ravenlings are born, they are white. Okay. Yeah. And their mothers see these white birds in their nest and they think, oh, these aren't my kids. Okay. And they, they abandon them. They give up hope on them. Okay. And these ravenlings cry out. So what happens? I didn't have this fact last time. Fact. Um, the God prepares for them uh, like worms or maggots in their feces. Okay. Vinizoni mayhem, and they are sustained through them. Now, remember back then they thought that um, uh, they believed in spontaneous generation. So I think they actually believed that like there were no, um, there's no life in there. And then God like causes the feces to transform into uh, worms that these young helpless birds eat. And that's how they get uh, sustained. Vinizoni mayhem, and that's how they get satisfied. Hine, shuhu mashgiach apabalichaim hashgacha tivis. So you see that God is mashgiach on the balichaim with natural hashgacha, which by the way, First time I've ever seen a regional use of the term hashgacha tivis, right? They usually call it hashgacha klalis, but what we mean by hashgacha klalis is, is is natural hashgacha, you know? Yeah. Why is this like an off, like obviously Hashem provides hashgacha tivis to Baal Ah. That's like the whole way that. Okay, good. And what does it have to do with our theme? Right. Okay, good. So onward. Okay. And then we'll, after we get to the end of 11, then we'll, we'll tie together. Okay. Then it goes back to the idea of the Geula, which by the way, I think we're all, I don't know if I said this last time when we first looked at the parak, it didn't look like there's a pivot point. And I think now it's, we're comfortable saying it is just pivoting back and forth between natural and Geula Hasida, natural Geula Hasida. Yeah. yeah okay. Right. So uh, it, it does uh, save the pivot point theory. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, it goes back to the Indian of the, the Nevus HaGa'ula, Shalo Yavhilu Gvuras Ha'amin, that the power of the nations should not frighten us. God does not desire the uh, power of horses or favor the uh, strength of uh, uh, the, the, the legs of man. Yurte. So what does this mean? I think you called this uh, beforehand that it's talking about the trust in the horses. It doesn't mean that God doesn't like horsepower. It means that he doesn't favor those who trust in their horses. Um, and in their swiftness, that they, that they have. But God favors those who fear him, those who, who pine for his kindness. And he has a special on them. Okay. So that's our clue. So let's look back at those Pesukim here. So what is the connection? What is this idea in uh, 8, 8 and 9 and then 10 and 11? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. What does that have to do? Yeah, what, what does that have to do with the animals and the ravenlings and the rain? Okay, good. Uh, I think this is a little bit more, but the second half, the one that is affecting us, is that Hashgacha Tivis? He's saying, or from no, that's Hashgacha Mukhadas, that's special Hashgacha for Kalisra, yeah. So it's like even more for us, but. Can anyone state the parallel between like the structure of eight and nine and then the structure of 10 and 11? I think we're dancing around it. And and with an eye on the Ravens specifically. 
Because you look at it, by the way, also rain and rain for land and all animals. That's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that's exactly it, which is, so I'll just say it again, is that that God has hashgacha. So it's like, like Isaiah said, it's obvious that God makes it rain and provides all the animals with their food. Okay. But then you look at the ravens and you're, and if you just saw like the mom leave the ravens, you'd be like, how are these things going to survive? And God's like, don't worry, I got it covered. I arranged this. There's a special like um, manifestation of natural hashgacha that even the ravenlings uh, who are in a situation of disadvantage that their mothers abandon them, God provides for them. Okay. So, so too, when you look at Klai Israel and the nations, there's hashgacha on all the nations, you know, and you look at Klai Israel, who's like downtrodden and in Galos, and they've been there for 2000 years. And it looks like there's not going to be anything there, but don't worry. God has a special hashgacha for Klai Israel also based on their needs. And, and, and that's the thing is it's all based on their needs and their natures. Right. So the other animals, the, the, the grazing animals, uh, who eat grass, God provides grass. And the animals who, who don't go out and provide their needs, God provides their needs. And animals whose mothers abandon them, they get help from God. So too, like with human beings, the people who put their trust in illusory um, uh, horsepower and, and in their swiftness, you know, like they are the ones who are deviating from God's will. They're not going to get any hashgacha. Like they might be succeeding right now, but they're not going to really get any hashgacha. But those who fear him and who pine for his kindness, those are the ones who God relates to because they have, they're actualizing their nature as, uh, you know, people who, re- who recognize God and uh, put their uh, security in him, you know? Yeah. There is, there is interesting certain like, this parallel also that's fine. Yeah, I like it. In the, in the first in the first eight and nine, like you said you're saying, like, I see what you're saying yeah. you just start talking to everyone in this like uh, general way and yeah. into this small right. subset. And then ten to eleven is saying Tim doesn't give right. favor to these people right so that's a good observation and uh there's uh, first of all just how can we explain that like why is there why is there not i'm going to phrase it this way why is there not a parallel of 10 in eight and nine well the factor is free will it's free will right right Right. so like all the animals are automatically going to be uh in other words Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. So you can say that also. Right. Right. Okay. So uh, so let me I'll say my answer and then I'll contrast with Chaim's answer is um is us fearing God, for God and hoping for Him as humans is equal to animals to behemoths grazing in the mountains and uh, and ravenlings like depending on uh, on on the worms. It's that's what we're designed to do. And the only reason in 10 that the other nations don't get it is because they, uh, they use their free will to turn away and nothing else in the animal kingdom can do that. Then what Chaim is saying is no, it's exactly parallel is, um, or it's not exactly parallel. Right. No, it's not parallel. It's eight and nine are Hashgacha Tevis. And the other nations are also under Hashgacha Tevis, but Klaishra gets beyond Hashgacha Tevis is they get Hashgacha Miuchedes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Can we start introducing this into like the uh, the slang of people instead of calling Hashgacha Klaus and Pratis Tivis and Mujeres? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I also side rant is uh, um, I, I I think I've gone on this rant in uh, in in uh, Tehillim before, but um, 
I think it's becoming central now, is as much as useful as the terms Hashgacha Pradas and Hashgacha Klalas are for theoretical knowledge of how God operates, it's very detrimental for how we relate to God. And again, like uh, the, uh, I got to, I got to confirm this sometime. It's very hard to confirm that the terms Hashgacha Pradas and Hashgacha Klalas were only introduced in the 1200s. Okay. But nowhere before that in the Rishonim or in Chazal or in Tanakh, do, does it ever use those terms? Rather, Davimach just says, God feeds the birds and he feeds the, uh, the animals. And we, instead of saying, well, is this Hashgacha Pradas or Hashgacha Klalas? It's all Hashgacha. And we relate to nature as Hashgacha, and we relate to what God has on Klal Yisrael as Hashgacha. So Hashgacha, if you are going to use differentiations for terms for Hashgacha, saying natural Hashgacha, I think is it's a it's a better way to talk about nature and showing that nature is not something separate from God's Hashgacha. It is God's Hashgacha, you know. And the, and the, the problem is that most people have when they say is it Hashgacha Pradas or nature, they're like removing nature from the realm of God's Hashgacha, and then that lets them think that everything that happens in nature is just like some other forces or their 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 own forces, you know. I right, rant over. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So then we get to Sukkim twelve through fourteen. Okay. Uh, this is Shabchi Yushlaim. Uh, Hashem, uh, Elokai, uh, sorry, praise Hashem, O Jerusalem, praise your God, O Tzion, for he strengthened the bars of your gates. He blessed the sons, your sons in your midst. The one who makes your boundary peaceful, he satiates you with the best of wheat. Okay, so, uh, what, well, yeah. Oh, I just think this is an example of what we were just talking about. Like, this was ah, the correct, right. This is Hashem Yuchedes, and when would you say that this is talking about? When the people are Right. I think this is the outcome of when they're Mayach Lachazdo, and this is specifically talking about in the time of Mashiach. Yeah, that's what I assume the Miri is going to say, if I remember correctly. So, what does it mean? He strengthened the bars of your gates. Okay, it means he strengthened them. He's sorry, he will strengthen them. Sorry. Yeah. So, he's changing to the future tense. Again, um, uh, I know he's not here. Warren, this is another example of playing fast and loose with the tenses in uh, Tehillim. Okay, right? He's, again, I, I wasn't making it up. It's not just me being lazy. Miri does it also, you know. Um, that's how Nivul always works, right? They, they switch the past for the future uh, uh, because it's a, it's a certainty. Uh, so strong bars is a mashal for dwelling securely without fear, right? If you are in a fortress with bars on the gates, no one can get in. So it's not just actual security. It is also psychological security from, from harm. Okay. Um, I think that is Rav Pesach's shot of, uh, of the idea that we have when we do a, I know this is early, uh, Mishte on Purim. Okay. Of like, when do you see, I mean, this is a question everyone has to confront of like, when do you see drunkenness in Judaism, you know? Um, so I think Rupesach a couple years has said that like, you know, the idea is the only time you get drunk as a nation, like in, 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 in the world out there, uh, is when you have absolutely nothing to fear, right? Like, like if you are on the border of your enemy and they can attack you at any moment, you don't say, okay, the whole nation gets drunk, you know? So in the time of the Purim story, the victory was so total that everyone just was able to, to party and not be afraid of someone like coming and taking advantage of them. Same thing. And so we try to get into that emotional state as well of like a complete shalva to the point where we can like not worry about people attacking us. Um, I don't know if you've seen that's shot or drush, but he has said that on several years. Uh, 
uh, okay. These are all bird, bird things. There's no wandering wing or, or chirping and chipping. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what this is from. It's, it sounds, sounds familiar. It's, you know, uh, it's from, um, the, one of the Putin in, um, I don't know. Like Hebrew. Hebrew, yeah. Yeah. Is it Hebrew's word for Twitter? Because that's what I think that the literal translation of Matsatsev is to Twitter. Yeah, but Twitter, the application is based on on like bird noise. Tweeting. Yeah. yeah Birds tweeting. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that word, in the same way that you can't use the word Trump anymore, like it's been co opted by a, a proper noun, like tweet has been co opted by like. Twitter, like you can't say that. Well, you look, hear the birds tweeting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Vahinian, sorry. Uh, God will bless your children in your midst. with all types of success. and it repeats it. and says, "Hasam shalom Okay, so that's just all the good stuff that God's going to give you. I agree with Isaiah that this is like an example of what God does for those who wait for Him or who pine for His kindness. Okay, now we go back to nature, back to the ice. Age. <laughs> he tells of the wonders of natural phenomena. So one of the things that is wondrous is uh, rain. Okay. So in Eov, uh, when it's describing God's wonders and strength. It talks about rain. We have this in Gavurus Kashamim in the second bracha. That's why we talk about rain there because it shows God's power. Pasholeach imraso rotolomar. So what does it mean? God sends forth his utterance, his statement. Rotolomar rotsono. So God's statement is a muscle for his will. Okay, that's a, a common thing. Vaad mehera. And what does ad mehera mean? Until quickly, nearly ad shabimhera yarutz tavaro bihigia rotsono miad. Um, that once I, I, I said this better from the uh, Matus David last time that that as soon as God wills it, then it, it immediately goes into effect. Okay. Can I ask a translation question really quickly? Yeah, sure. Um. So the um thing about the rain, it's it's in the Miri. Just oh, in the Miri, he says yeah. it's um uh What does yeah. that mean? Koelos there. Oh, good question. That of the the natural wonders and the one that includes all of them is the rain. I, if I had to guess, I would say that all of the natural wonders he describes in this parak involve rain. I see. Right? Okay. He talks about the rain themselves, and then the feeding of the animals, and then all the the animals getting their stuff, um, and people getting their wheat. You know, it all depends on uh, on on rain. That's what if I had to guess. I don't know if that's what he means. Okay, so now let's go back to the snow pesukim. Okay. Uh, and this was the one that we had to, we couldn't figure out. He places his snow. Oh, so 15 is, uh, is, uh, oh, so I actually learned 15 to be connected to this next one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even though the mirror doesn't connect it explicitly. Um, but what we said was that as soon as God wills it, then, uh, it happens immediately. Okay. Um, he places snow. So hold that in mind. He places snow like wool. He scatters frost like ash. He sends ice like crumbs. Or ice-like crumbs before his cold. Who can stand? He sends his word and melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters flow. Now, if I asked you, he places snow like wool. What would you say the comparison is between snow and wool? Mm-hmm. White. Okay, right. So, is it the whiteness or is it the covering? So, for some reason, the Meiri really doesn't like the idea of snow be compared to wool in whiteness. Okay. They're not the same white, and he backs up with a Mishnah in Nagayim, okay? Um, 
Okay. But he also is bothered with something else that I can't figure out. So I'm going to read and translate it. You tell me what you think is bothering the Mi'iri. And I apologize that the PDF is not good quality here because I took it as it was growing dark. And so it came out all weird and purpley. Um, so he says like this, hello, then whiteness. Sorry. Uh, did I skip a deeper mosque? Yeah. Namely, so what does it mean that it's um, uh, like a wool? Haloven uh, is the whiteness. So he says, you should not compare two created things with each other in terms of more and less. The whiteness of snow is greater, is more white than the whiteness of wool. And so I'm not going to cite the um, Mishnah and Nagaim, but it basically says, you know, when you have to tell the different types of Saras, those are two levels of Saras. You know, okay. Uh, and even though it does compare God, the creator, with lesser things. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's not he's saying you can't compare them to each other. He's saying you can't use a greater thing and compare that to the lesser thing. So he's saying you can't say he makes snow like wool because snow is whiter than wool and he says you can't do that with creative things you can do that with god for example god roars like a lion god was that uh, okay uh like the sound of, of of many waters okay so you can compare god to something lesser which you would think you can't do you would think that that's like you know but there's a simple answer all of this is to sharpen the ear, meaning that's Chazal um, saying, you have no choice but to compare God to lesser things. It's not possible to do this with created things. Rather, the comparison between snow and wool is in terms of its softness. Okay, it's soft like wool. Not exactly, it's a little colder and harsher. Okay. He's saying that. Uh, don't think that it's comparing the whiteness of snow to the whiteness of wool because snow is whiter than wool and you don't compare in created things greater to lesser. You do do that with God, but that's because you have no choice. Rather, I don't know what's bothering me about it, right? Yeah. I also, I, I, it's kind of like saying like, like if you were trying to, they got covered with the world was like a white thing. And yeah. Oh, that's true. Like, like a stained shirt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean, in other words, you you say um, uh, Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow, right? That that really it's not as white as snow. White as wool. It's white as wool, right? Yeah, I should hope so. But you want to exaggerate the whiteness so you compare it to something whiter. So it's really, it sounds like an aesthetic, like, ling um, like poetic uh, objection, not like a intrinsically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's saying it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense as shot. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Fluffy. Fluffy is a good, uh, good way to say it. Yeah. Okay. And since it mentions the uh, frost and the, we said hail, yeah, the ice, uh, which are harsh. It says that God uh, makes uh, gives a soft snow, a snow that's soft like wool. And this it has uh, benefits. Okay, so there's benefits to the fact that God makes soft snow and hard ice. Okay, what are the benefits? To water the earth, I'm going to say at at many times. Okay, you'll see what I mean. Vakfor who yoreh al harov So frost often descends in the morning, dak dak, very thinly. 
and its color is like ash. That's what it means uh, that he scatters the uh, the frost like ash. Or it means the act of scattering is like ash, right? Like whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay. And and hail often comes at night. Okay. Maybe sorry. Maybe he does learn it's ice. Maybe it's not hail. Um, I think I'm getting mixed up with someone else. So ice comes at night, right? Things freeze at night. When it's very cold. And its nature is to be like crumbs, in chunks and slices, not crumbs, crumbs. Um, it's very cold. That's why it says, who can stand before it's cold? Because what's the point of all this? All right, this is where it gets really bad in the, in the print. Uh, and since the uh, frost and ice are hard, and the earth is not sorry, mushkis mehen lashata, and the earth is not watered with them immediately. Amar Yishlach That's why it says he sends his word, meaning his will, hashemesh, when the sun heats it up, osi or something else happens. same, and he melts them. he he melts them. Um because uh, I think Yamsim literally means to dissolve them, but it means he he melts them. Um, they become water. Likewise, similarly, he causes the wind to blow and water flows in those places with the blowing of the wind. All of them have a, a known time for their benefit in the fruits and in the produce. Okay, so pause there because he's, he's going to give a different shot. Just plain shot, he's, what is he saying about the um, forget the nimshal. What is he saying about the muscle of snow uh, and uh, and ice and, uh, and and frost and sending his word and melting them and causing the wind to blow? What, what's his point? Yeah. And what's his point about that that natural hashkacha? Like even though these things seems like they at first they don't apply a benefit. Yeah. It's like later on, Shem does send his word to them. And yeah. They melt and. Water. Exactly. Okay. So, so the, so, so we were right in our observation that it seems like snow is not beneficial, but if you think about it in the, let's say, let's say in the, in, in the mountains and in the, uh, you know, it snows in the mountains. Okay. And the snow is, has different melting times and dynamics than ice or frost. But what happens basically is all of these things take effect in the most beneficial way, right? Like, like, uh, frost, uh, you know, is going to be a little bit of water that, that happens and then melts quickly or whatever, you know, ice is going to be around even in the summer. Right. And it's going to cause a uh, constant water flowing snow melts quicker, you know? So if you imagine if everything were snow and it melted really quickly, you'd have like floods, you know, but this way you have a constant supply and, and he's, he references it. Uh, he doesn't explain, but he says it's known for the, um, uh, regarding produce and fruits of the tree that like everything gets water in its time. Okay. So what does this have to do? Oh, sorry. And then one, one he's going to give it a separate shot and then we can combine it together. Um, oh, Remis. Yeah. Oh, Remis Bekerah Lahanish. Or uh, when it says um, ice, it means to punish. Matar Okay, um, he gives uh, rain and snow and frost and ice and hail, even though it doesn't mention hail. Sometimes for benefit, sometimes for punishment. Sorry, sometimes for reward, sometimes for punishment. 
Because uh, ice many times will kill and dry out the seeds and the, and the, the flowers on the trees. Even though these are all natural things, they are the most exalted and important things in nature. Uh, of the of the ordinary occurrences. Um, who can uh, understand the uh, thunder of his um, of his gavura? Okay. So, what was that? So I think what he means is that there are things that are rarer, like comets and earthquakes and stuff, and that's a greater demonstration of gavura to the point where we say a bracha on it. But of the regular things, then this is like a demonstration of gavura sashan. Yeah, it, it has huge impact. Yeah, right. Right. And it also shows like very macro mastery over the entire thing. Okay. Now you could say that 15, 16, 17, 18 are going to be parallel with 19 to 20. And maybe the Miri is going to say that, but I have a shot uh, of this can apply to the Nimshal um, that he doesn't state. So if you were to take everything he's telling us about snow and ice and stuff and then apply it to the Nimshal of the Gula Hasida, what would you say? I mean, it seems like a parallel where you have this thing that doesn't look like, maybe it doesn't look good or it doesn't look, you don't see what's going to come out of it. Um, yeah. But really it's it's set up to have a certain benefit later. Exactly. I think that's exactly it, right? Is that you You look at ice and hail and you're like, what's the point of this stuff? You know, uh, I understand rain, but what's the point of ice and hail? And everything's just frozen for a long time, you know? Ah, but that is a different kind of benefit than rain. And everything has an ace yadua. It has a known time. And that's where I think the... Um, the uh, it's emphasizing the uh, God's will is immediate. It's not like God tries to do this now and it just takes a while for it to happen. No, no, no. God wants the snow to melt on the first day of spring or whatever, you know, right? He So when it happens and he wants that in order to bring about the benefit. So everything is timed and scheduled perfectly in nature to sustain the entire ecosystem. So too with the Gaula, there are lots of things that we we feel like 2000 years is a long time, you know, that like, like it's too long, it's delayed, you know, or our enemies are too powerful, you know, like Christianity and Islam have been around for way too long. And you know what else was around for a long time, which you didn't know about? Glaciers, right? The Ice Age was around for a very long time, but it was just the right amount of time, or dinosaurs, right? Just the right amount of time for the earth to go through whatever changes we have. Who knows if the purpose of dinosaurs was so that we have fossil fuel to use to like jumpstart the industrial age and then like, you know, uh, like, like bring about, who knows about that stuff? But our time frames are completely like inaccurate. It's on God's time frame, and like it, you know, like if you looked at cicadas, said so they only like like multiply and breed every seventeen years. That's dumb. Like they're lazy. They're late. No, no, no. That's how it's supposed to work. You know. So too with the gaula that it's going to come at its time, and it's and, and if you want it to come earlier, that's like not. It's not good. Like, like it has to come at its proper time. You know. Yeah. You gonna say something, Isaiah? No. No. Okay. And I, I, I forgot if I said this on Tuesday or in some other context about the um. Well, like I use Islam and Christianity because, like the Brahman says, you know, Jesus was horrible, caused people to worship a, a god other than, other than a sham, and caused the Jews to be killed. And uh, the madman—that's what he calls uh, Muhammad, right? Uh, is um is is also really bad. But the the ways of God are mysterious, and as a result of these two things, then people all know about. Torah and mitzvos and God, even the far off islands. And in terms of publicizing those things, they did way more than we did. 
in recent times, right? You know, in terms of like the number of people. And so it's all going to make sense when we have the uh, the Mashiach to see how these things fit in. But uh, but we, we can't make sense of it now. It's funny, like we could never have like created these religions so that the people of the world have these ideas. But like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the, uh, I, I know it's a, it's a cheesy muscle, but it's of the better ones. Um, the, uh, the tapestry muscle you're talking about. Yeah, it's cheesy, but it, it is really good. Right. But, uh, like the, um, the back of the tapestry, uh, is going to look all like, uh, why did it not open in? <laughs> yeah, I saw Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, tapestry, right? So it's all like mixed up and stuff like that. But then on the front, it is in order. It's orderly, right? Yeah, this is the first time you heard of the tapestry muscle. It's good, right? Uh, and, and that's because in order to get there to produce the thing in the front, you need to like do all sorts of like things that don't look like they make sense. So if you saw someone weaving a tapestry from the back, it would look like just random. Uh, no, but I'm saying if you were like watching behind, you know, as opposed to let's say like a, a painter, you know, an easel. Okay, so now let's do the last two pesukim. Uh, he tells his word to Yaakov, his statutes and judgments to Israel. He did not do so for any nation and his judgments. They do not know how Luca. Uh, if there is a 5% of this parak that I don't fully feel like I understand, it's, these, uh, it's this last thing. I see ideas here, but I don't quite see how it fits in. So hopefully we can get something. Um so after this, it alludes to the received matters, meaning in terms of Torah Misenai, uh, specifically in terms of the um, ideas, okay? Namely, reward and punishment, which we can't get from uh, without Nebuah, and miracles that involve changes of nature, and everything else that is um, wrapped up or tied up in belief in the creation of the world, okay? Unasinas hatora hamagale kostarim, and the giving of the Torah, which reveals all secrets. Ba'amar, so that's how he's learning. Um, that's how he's learning. Magid devarav liakov. Okay, the davar. All right, that's the uh, the the ideas. Okay. Of Amar Shem Yuchanim Laam Hanivkar Lusgula Vuhu Am Amro Magid devarav liakov Chukav Umishpatav. Israel and his statutes and judgment to Israel, meaning the other nations, and they don't know judgments. What does that mean? It means they don't act up properly. Yeah. They don't recognize the virtue of uprightness and, and uh, justice. Therefore, you who recognize his ways, uh, Hallelujah, you should praise God who gave you Torah mitzvahs like these. As it says, as it says, who is a nation, a great nation that has uh, that are righteous? Yeah. So he doesn't explicitly draw the, the uh, connection between this and the um, uh, and the previous Pesukim. And we noted that there is an explicit connection because it says Yishlach Devaro for melting the uh, snow. And then Magid Devarav Liakov, and same thing with Yarutz Admeher Yarutz Devaro. So, like, it clearly is an intentional parallelism there, you know. So, so I like my shot that um, uh, that I gave of the uh, 17, 18, uh, 16, 17, 18. And based on my shot, I would say that 
I don't see a connection between 19 and 20. <laughs> okay. And then his shot works for 19 and 20, which is that God did something special for Israel that the other nations don't have. But I don't see the connection between that and, and this either. So either way, I'd like to connect either his shot or my shot, you know, for uh, for connecting those last like five psukim. Um, well, I guess I don't have anything to Okay. Okay. So I, I see that. You know, you know what would be very good according to that? If he said, um, Right, that they don't understand the chukim, but they would understand the mishpatim. You know, yeah. Um, you gonna say something, Isaiah? No. Uh, can I try something out? I just thought of um, that. Um, going back to the point about the free will, animals don't have to do anything. God just provides for them. Okay, we have to be yare Hashem. Okay, and miyacha lachasto. Then the hashgacha will relate to us. So too, if we want redemption, so we can't know how it's going to come about. We can't understand, know when it's going to come about, but we also can't just sit back and not do anything. We have to utilize the Devar Hashem that he gave us. That's what Yeres Hashem is. That's again, the end of Kohelis is, uh, like what is our job is to fear God and keep his mitzvos. That's going to be the way to bring about the Geula. And the anal- the parallelism of the words here is the, the Dvarashem in nature goes automatically. The Dvarashem by human beings has to be implemented. And we are implementing it and the nations are not implementing it. So it, there will be a time when we will get what we deserve and they get what they deserve, you know? Um, and and that, that will be a keem of the Dvarashem in the same way as the rain and the snow. Yeshayahu uses the same, um, uh, the same muscle, right? Of um, uh, Now this time I have a sitter behind me. In the um, the haftar that we read for a um, uh, Tinus, uh, actually this relates to multiple ideas that we were doing. Um, is uh, haftar says ki lo for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways. Numa Hashem says Hashem ki gavhu shemayim me'aretz kain gavhu derachai midarachem umachshvosai mimachshvoseichem. As the, the heavens are higher than the earth, so too are my ways higher than your ways and, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you know the Sefer Ikarim's shot on as the heavens are higher than the earth? It's a good shot. Okay. So if you have two buildings, you could say one is higher than the other because they both partake of height, but one is quantitatively greater. But if you're talking about the height of the heavens, the heavens are higher than the earth. The earth is the very measure of height. So you're, you're saying that the earth qualitatively has height and the earth has no height at all. Okay. So comparing two things that are both tall, but one has it greater is different than comparing two things saying this is higher than the other one, because this has the quality of height and this has no quality of height. So too with God and his thoughts and his ways, it's not just that God's thoughts are more complex or deeper than our thoughts, 
they're qualitatively different than our thoughts, you know, and that's why we can't understand them. But then this is the part I wanted to get to. I never noticed it's Hashelik. Just like the rain and the snow fall, I mean, Hashemayim from the heavens, and they do not go back up until they water the earth. And they, they uh, make it give life and growth. And they provide seed for the planter and uh, food for the eater. Cain, so in other words, God makes it rain. That water will eventually go back up through the water cycle, but only after it has done its job on earth. Okay. So to the word that I say from my mouth will not return to me empty. Until it has done what I wanted and has succeeded in what I sent it for. Okay. So saying God's word will accomplish its mission. So in nature, that happens automatically. With Mashiach, that will happen automatically with a footnote. The footnote is if we implement it with the Torah that he gave us. You know, yeah. So it's giving you the, so the, the, the function of the, these last two is it's giving you the recipe for how to bring about the Gula Hasidah, right? This is not just a hopeful thing and a pep talk just to get you excited about the Gula. It's to get you excited about the Gula, believing it can happen, and then doing the thing to make it happen, which is following the, the Chukim and Mishpatim, you know? That's a good ending message, right? Yeah. Why do you so, think that there's the last Pesach then? The last Pesach, because I think that's going back to the idea of the, the Havmin, well, what about the other nations? Like, like they're so powerful. And he's saying, no, they don't trust in God. They don't fear him. They don't favor his kindness. And they don't even keep his, uh, his mishpat. So they're going to get punished. They're going to get what they okay, deserve. Yeah, yeah. I had like a different kind of answer for sure. 19, but it doesn't work for 20, so. Um, well, you can share it though. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can, okay, we yeah. can make it work. I mean, I guess yeah. I had been thinking that maybe this was like um, the, this is an example of God providing humans with their needs. Oh, that's good. I do like that. Right. I mean, just like he provides animals with their needs. Um, so it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll break it down with the animals. He provides them with their, um, their, it's a combination of like their no, all right. I'll just say it with their needs, right? For food, for us, it is our needs as a national political entity in terms of uh, needing um, uh, 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 security and, uh, and and a nation, and the lifestyle which causes us to flourish there, and also brings that about when we don't have it. Yeah, that, that, that's a good shot. There's another example of like uh, a shot from you because he gives us like his judgments and not any other nation. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Also, uh, according to the Me'iri, it's not just our, the laws, it's also Devarov, which is ideas about the universe that we couldn't get any other way. You know, um, just like, like, you know, like the, um, the Ravenlings could only get food from the worms that are in their, their feces, you know, that's a bad comparison to Torah. So too, we can only get ideas about the universe from the Torah that he gives us. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so in the remaining few minutes, I think we are poised to be able to answer all the questions, all of Adler's questions, right? So what's the idea of the parak as a whole? What would you say if you had to sum it up in a sentence? In one yeah. Four sentences is a good also, but I don't want to go around for four sentences. You know, that, that could be doing our own time. The main idea of the parak, I'm going to try, right? The main idea of the parak is that uh, is to strengthen our conviction in the Gula Hasida and to bring it about by showing us, basically by refuting all our Havaminas.
<laughs> right? By showing us that that God, if God has complete mastery over nature, then he can break the natural strength of the nations. And if he provides the needs for all the animals, he can provide the needs for uh, special needs for us through Hashgacha. And if he if he knows the timing of all the systems in nature to bring it about in the perfect way, he, he's going to get the right timing here. And if he gives us the tools uh, that, uh, and if his word is sure to be accomplished, then the word that he gave us is sure to be accomplished if we fulfill it. Something like that. It is. Yeah, yeah. But I was trying to string it all together. I was actually trying to answer one and two at the same time. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, is this true in whole or in part? Yeah. Yeah, but we don't have to say it's Nabu because all of the other Naveen prophesied about the Gula Hasidah. So, so, so we know the fact that the glossy will happen and then all the things in nature we do see. So, so it, it's true. And again, and th- this is the, this is the, the key here, which is, you know, like, uh, I've had students in high school ask before, like, how can we be sure that the Mashiach is going to come? So the answer, the strict answer is we only know the Mashiach is going to come based on the Nebuah. And if we didn't have Nebuah, we wouldn't think it's going to come. Right. But this is answering how can we actually bolster our conviction in it is look around you in nature. Has God ever gone back on his word in nature? No. So why are you going to think his Nebuah is any different? You know, so by, by, by actually studying nature and then linking it to this idea, whenever you see a little bird getting fed, you're like, oh, Mashiach has to be true. You know, uh, right. I mean, it's, it, it, these are ways to actually strengthen our bitachon in, uh, in, in Mashiach. And then what of it? So I think the purpose of this is really, you know, twofold. One, again, thankfully, we live in an era where we don't. I mean, thankfully, in one sense, we don't live under tremendous oppression. So we don't really experience the sorrows of Galos to the extent that most Jews did throughout history, you know, but to the extent that we do, we need to, this helps us to have confidence in the fact that we will get redeemed. But more than that, it takes us out of this immature, childish, passive way of relating to Mashiach coming with those last psukim saying, no, you need to actually like internalize these ideas and implement the mitzvot and differentiate yourself from the nations that don't know God's justice so that you can be among those who are redeemed and not the ones who are not. And this is what I'll leave the recording on. This is why I like the Rambam Shita of Mashiach better and think it's true because Rambam describes Mashiach and Yimus Mashiach as a political movement that will, that is entirely within we have to take all the steps, you know, it's not like, like, you know, you hear those stories about like, like the guy who like, I've heard these dumb stories, like the guy who would like run out, uh, uh, you know, uh, to work every day with two cups of coffee, one for himself and one in case the Mashiach comes so he could give it to him. Or like, like, you know, the basement is just going to fall from the heavens like fire, you know, or like, like it could happen at any moment. And like, if you hear like, like, you know, you know tell elementary school kids, like you should be ready. Like you hear a shofar, it means Mashiach's here right now, you know? That's, that is just such an immature way of viewing Mashiach, you know? And yeah, fine. There are people who believe that that's the case and like they're entitled to believe that because the like the Ram says, we don't have a, a, a Kabbalah on those things, but all factors in terms of how God operates points to the fact that this will be come about through Chachma, through processes, through, through like the same way God operates in nature, you know, that this will come about that way, you know? So it's just like, like, and this helps foster that mentality. And if you don't hold it's going to come about like that, you know, like, you're kind of at odds because you're cultivating like this nuanced, mature way of viewing God's operation in nature. And then you're saying, and Mashiach is magic, you know, it's magic time, you know, and it's just like, it, it, it's not Mashma. So, so if it, we'll see if, if the, uh, if the wolf actually, what was that? I think that, uh, something that's moving through the 
Yeah, it is open for debate. I mean, look, that's what I'm saying. It's like many people do hold that the time of Shia will have miracles and such. Yeah. Right. But see, but with Pur- so that part will be true. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. So, but see, but that's that's different though. That, that's not supernatural. That's a nice nister, and that's that. Yeah, but at the end of the day, then no matter before or after you study it, it's not kriyas yamsuf, and it's not the base mikdash falling from the heaven in fire. You know, it's like, you know, and, and that's why I love that midrash of uh, Ayelas Hashachar. Right, is the dawn. Uh, the 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 doe of the dawn or whatever the the the, the hind of the dawn, um, and uh, and that's compared to Esther, which is sof kol hanisim. So the dawn is considered to be the so the end of all nisim, you know, all open nisim, you know, uh, and the open miracle, the age of open miracles, is compared to darkness. But the real, you know, uh, Hashem is seen through nis nister through like. Miracles that don't violate the laws of nature. You know, that's going to be the real glorious thing. And we won't even talk about Yitzhak Mitzrayim anymore. That's the thing is that uh, I have the source written down. It's a, it's a Midrash. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So that was a good parak. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll give you something to think about, not for next time, because I don't think we're taking this up next. The next parak that we see in in uh, in of Zimra seems to be all about nature. Yeah. So it's weird. You would think of anything that parak should come before this one. Because it would set the stage for relating to God, Hashgacha, and nature, and then you would extend it and connect it to Hashgacha. Oh, that's good. That's good, also. So, you, you yeah. Now that you know that, you're all about it. Okay, so I'll give you a, a raya for that, okay? And I don't mean to spoil Eo for anyone, but uh, after Eo's three friends give him false answers, then Elihu comes in, and the Raman points out that Elihu's answer is all is mostly just descriptions of nature, and then Hashem comes to Eo out of the whirlwind and just describes nature. So that follows that same pattern, you know, that that's how you get insight into Hashem because Hashem is through nature. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's stop the recording here. And I got to take a little break before we start our next year. Stop recording. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.